Welcome back in to the Who Day Dan. I am your host, still Taylor. And what an episode we have today. Today I'm going to be talking about running backs in the AFC North, including ours, Joe Mixon. But first, let me let me address the back together Saturday. That was really a, a great time to be a Bengals fan this past weekend here. Uh, I joked about the lame name, Back Together Saturday. It kind of seemed like they could have done something a little catchier, maybe some rhyming, some alliteration, anything other than Back Together Saturday. But the actual event itself was awesome. And I know it was really just an open practice, but I kind of calling it an event because it felt like more than just a practice. I know they had some different booths set up for family-friendly stuff, face painting and inflatable games you can play and whatnot. I actually didn't leave my seat for the entire practice because I was there with my dad, um, no kids with me. So I didn't want to lose my seat. We were at about the 45 yard line or so and about four rows back. So it was a really good view and I didn't want to lose my seat here in the in the general admission. I think I had read somewhere that about 5,000 people showed up. Uh, I think that's what I read. Um, And driving downtown, you saw a ton of Bengals jerseys. actually gave a little bit of a feel of a game day had me a little bit worried I think gates opened at two and at about 145 is when I was driving down there to find a parking spot and restaurants that we drove by were full of people in Bengals jerseys Uh, and then you get closer to the stadium and you see a line already forming wrapped around the stadium there was some real excitement in the air once we got into the stadium just kind of waiting for the players to get out there I would say the first big applause came for T. Higgins and Jamar Chase that walked out together. Um, Everyone was excited to see the new rookie. And then I would say more than a cheer, maybe a little bit of like a a low roar, considering there's, you know, only 5,000, not 60,000. But when Joe Burrow jogged out, everybody was obviously pretty amped to see him out there. Joe Mixon did a great job keeping the fans entertained all day when he wasn't participating in drills. Seven on sevens, he was near the sidelines, getting people pumped up. In typical Joe Mixon fashion, he's finishing off runs um, in the seven on seven, going all the way to the end zone, getting people fired up. So it was really well done by the Bengals. And I think that's something that they'll probably continue to try to do in the future is have some of these public practices inside Paul Brown Stadium where people can come and enjoy it. And again, having it sort of family friendly where they have these types of things set up around the um, seats and things like that it was really nice for everybody to to be able to enjoy that. Some of my takeaways, and unfortunately, I, I, I got plenty of video and I tweeted some of that out. Uh, if you want to go check those out at underscore Taylor Cornell is my account. It was a little bit tough, though, to evaluate the two biggest position groups that I think are keys to our team's success this year, the offensive line and defensive line. It's hard to get a lot of insight into those positions during a training camp practice, still a couple weeks out from the first preseason game. I don't think those guys are going 110% out there. The defensive line isn't bull rushing, trying with everything they've got to get to Joe Burrow and knock him down, obviously. So it was a little hard to see kind of how that line's going to play out. I did see a few instances where the line did get some Good push and nice penetration into the backfield. Seemed like that was happening somewhat consistently when the offense was trying to run some stretch plays, uh, stretch run plays. The defensive backs were stood out to me a little bit. They played pretty well. Eli Apple had a nice pass breakup. He wasn't working with the first team necessarily, but um, got some cheers for that. 
there were a few instances where uh, Brandon Allen or Joe Burrow, whoever was back there, uh, had to hold on the ball for a little bit and eventually just kind of do a, a mock scramble because there was nowhere to throw the ball on the tight coverage. So really good job by the uh, defensive backs in that area. And then one spot that I was trying to watch closely was the running back. And that's both from a Bengals fan perspective, but also from a fantasy football perspective. Uh, the void left behind by Joe, or excuse me, Gio Bernard needs to be filled. And I don't think we really know how that's going to be filled yet. So I was trying to watch uh, which running backs were running with second team, third team, were any of them working in into obvious passing situations, things like that. Samaj P. Ryan ran with the second team consistently, so he looks like the clear backup to Joe Mixon. Travion Williams looked like he was firmly entrenched there with the third team, mostly. Chris Evans was used somewhat sparingly, and then Puka Williams, I think he was kind of a long shot anyways, being an undrafted free agent. He was kind of MIA with the running backs. Instead, he was doing uh, a lot of wide receiver drills which I guess you would want your pass catching running back to be able to do, but I kind of expect if they had plans of using him as a third down back, they also would have him with running backs working on some blocking and he's got to be able to know the scheme for running the ball as well. But he was working with wide receivers mostly and some punt returns. There were a couple actually that Puka struggled with one that he fumbled and another one where he kind of misjudged the flight of the ball and ended up catching it with two hands over his head, which isn't ideal. Uh, I would assume special teams is an area where they would be looking for someone like Puka Williams to be able to contribute. Um, so I don't know. But back to the Geo role, I don't think we're concerned about Samaj Pirine being the guy that fills that role. Pirine has 36 catches in his 44 career NFL games, so he's not really known as a pass catching back. I think he is going to be the guy that spells Mixon as needed. And he flashed a little bit last year that he's able to be competent running the ball. I mentioned Puka. I don't think he's that guy. I'm not sure if he makes the team, quite honestly. So then it comes down to Travion Williams or Chris Evans. Who is it going to be filling that Gio Bernard role? I think Travion obviously is more familiar with the offense entering his third season. And actually in college, he had more catches in his three seasons at Texas A&M than Chris Evans did in his four at Michigan. So I think Travion Williams is capable of being a pass-catching guy. But the more I think about it, there's a chance I think that that Geo role actually doesn't just get absorbed by Joe Mixon. I think he needs to improve on his pass blocking. He had been improving on that each season up until last year. Uh, his PFF grade dropped from 64 to 60 as a pass blocker last year. But I think he's better than Pirine uh, in the pass blocking area. So that's one area that I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out through the preseason. I don't even know how much Joe Mixon will get in the preseason, but even if uh, P Ryan is getting some run in those preseason games, when it gets to third down or obvious passing situations, is P Ryan coming out? And if so, is it Travion coming in? Is it Chris Evans coming in? And we'll see how, how that position battle works out. Finally, Joe Burrow was moving well, and that was a sight to see everybody concerned about the recovery from the injury and all the reports have been that he was he was doing well in that recovery it was good to see it with my own eyes though they, they did a lot of play action a lot of rollouts he seemed comfortable back there looked like he had some of his mobility back obviously I wouldn't say he's a hundred percent but I think a main part of a player's recovery in that area to getting back to 100 percent is a lot of the confidence too and 
I think that's going to come with the reps. But from what we saw on Saturday, he looked comfortable moving out of the pocket and things like that. Again, he doesn't have a, a, a rush bearing down on him, getting ready to dive at him. So that'll play into it a little bit. And I, again, like I've said before, I expect him to be a little bit rusty as the season begins, perhaps. But it was good to see him getting out there. He wasn't just stationary running shotgun. He was working under center. He was working shotgun. He was able to roll out. Uh, even on the handoffs, he was doing a good job of finishing the play, kind of rolling out to the opposite side. So all in all, it was a really great experience. I'm glad I got to do that. I mean, my dad had a great time. And well done to the Cincinnati Bengals on running that back together Saturday. Today will be the fourth installment of the series that we've been running. Uh, again, episode four, just as a recap, was the offensive line position group. Episode five, defensive line. Episode six, quarterbacks. Today, I want to hit on the running backs. I did have a thought cross my mind that I would just combine kind of pass catchers and running backs together, but I think there's plenty to talk with running backs and wide receivers alone in this division. So I'm going to try to consolidate that today with just running backs, and then we'll work on wide receivers, pass catchers in another episode. Now, I think similar to quarterbacks, if you listen to the last episode, you know, I mentioned it, but there's a few different ways to look at the quarterback position. And I think that kind of applies to running backs as well. We can look at 2021 and say immediate production, who is, you know, the, the guy that we think is going to be the most productive in this division at the running back position. But then we can also look two to three years down the line. And with running back, age is really important with this position. Wear and tear becomes evident. Declines can be sharp uh, at this position. I'm mainly going to be looking at the starters, too, for each team. I know we could include depth, uh, looking at the position groups to, to decide who we like the best. But I might include it a little bit, but it's not going to be a heavy consideration for me as I go through these rankings. So at number one, I have Cleveland. And obviously, when you consider depth, they're the best by far in the division. They have a 26-year-old former rushing champ who is their backup in Kareem Hunt. And they have Nick Chubb ahead of him on the depth chart who just signed a new extension. He almost led the league in rushing in 2019. I believe he had the, the lead in the NFL in rushing yards that season until week 17. And Derrick Henry went for like 200 or something absurd to take it away from Nick Chubb. But anyways, obviously two very talented running backs back there. We talked about their nasty offensive line, which helps the running game. I like the Browns running backs, both Hunt and Chubb, to be the most productive this season in the division. And even looking at just talent alone, if you're not considering offensive line and other considerations, I think it's hard to put many running backs ahead of Nick Chubb in the NFL based on his talent. At number two, I have Baltimore we know that this team runs the ball a lot, and we talked about uh, in the quarterback episode about how Lamar Jackson benefits from that as well. But really, the lead running back in Baltimore holds tons of value as well in that scheme. We saw in 2019, which was Lamar's first year as a full-time starter at quarterback, uh, running back Mark Ingram tallied 15 touchdowns, 1,200 total yards, and he was 30 years old. So he wasn't really in the prime of his career, but he was able to produce in that scheme and that offense. And in 2020, we saw J.K. Dobbins, the rookie out of Ohio State. He began to get more involved as the season wore on. They kind of phased out Mark Ingram. Gus Edwards was still there as kind of a backup. But it started to look like Dobbins was getting more and more opportunity. As the season wore on, he averaged nearly 80 rushing yards a game um, when he got 10 carries. And that didn't happen often. It took until week eight when he had his first game where he saw 10 carries in a game. 
But again, got more involved as the season went on. He's more talented than Ingram was in 2019, I believe. So I think Dobbins really could put up similar numbers in the 1,200 to 1,300 yard double-digit touchdown type of range in 2021. Okay, so at number three, don't hate me, but I think I'm giving Najee Harris a slight edge over Joe Mixon for 2021 production. I know Pittsburgh has a bad offensive line. I actually don't think that that's going to hinder Najee Harris that much. He's going to come in. I think he's immediately going to be used in the same way we saw Le'Veon Bell used in his glory days. Ben is wearing down. We saw the arm strength issues last year. Don't know if that carries over to this year, but it definitely could. And I actually don't think, you know, the Steelers don't want to throw the ball 50 times a game as they were last year. They had to do that because they had a really bad running back room last year. Anthony McFarland was not the answer. Benny Snell, not the answer. James Conner kind of had a flash in the pan year a couple years ago, but he didn't look like himself last year. Or maybe that was himself and the other year was an outlier. But either way, James Conner wasn't productive. They, The Steelers then go out, take Najee Harris in the first round. I think he's going to be heavily involved. And I kind of went and looked up Le'Veon Bell's rookie season. Just I couldn't quite remember how productive or how quickly he was productive with the Steelers. He had 1,259 total yards as a rookie. And if you recall, that was before he cut weight and kind of transformed his body became an even better version of himself we saw later on in the years after that. And that season, the Steelers had the 11th worst offensive line when it comes to run blocking, according to PFF. So it wasn't just a result of great blocking that Le'Veon Bell as a rookie was able to produce. He was fed the ball a lot. And I think Najee Harris is going to get fed the ball a lot as well here in 2021. So the AFC North team with the worst I use that in quotation marks because it's not bad. Running back room for 21 might actually be the Bengals with Joe Mixon. Don't get me wrong. I love Joe's talent. I always feel like that Joe has been underused, underutilized throughout his career. And I always go back to preseason a couple of years ago. I was sitting in the upper deck watching the game and they split Joe Mixon out wide. He catches a screen in the red zone. I would say they're about the 10-yard line or so. Split him out wide, throw a screen. He shakes the defensive back, walks in for a touchdown. And I was like, oh, this is the year. They're going to use Joe Mixon as kind of a workhorse back, not take him off the field so much. As much as I love Geo, let Joe Mixon be the playmaker that he is. And unfortunately, we just haven't really seen that come to fruition in the regular season as much as we'd like. Geo was cutting into a lot of the third down work, both because he's a great pass blocker, a good pass catcher, I think now that we're looking at Joe Mixon and saying he's ready to take on a full workhorse load. And I do think he's going to have a really good 21 season. I think the stiff comp the stiff competition at the position within the AFC North is what has him fourth. So it's not really a, he's the worst running back. It's just that there are some really, really good options in the AFC North at that position for this year. And I think I'm also considering that the Bengals are going to remain pretty pass heavy this year. I know that with Burrow coming off an injury, there maybe could be an argument that they'll ease him in. But then again, they spent the top a top five pick on Jamar Chase. So I don't think they are planning on not throwing the ball a lot. And when you've got Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, you've got one of the best wide receiver trifectas in the league. 
I think those are going to be the top three targeted guys. I mean, let's see, 70% of all the targets in the offense could be funneled to those three guys. So I think Mixon's going to be involved. I just think that perhaps his receiving upside, maybe that Gio Bernard role that we think maybe he's going to absorb that this year, won't quite be as productive as what we've thought in the past because those other three guys are going to dominate the targets. Um, Again, he'll be involved. 1,200 total yards is in play, I think, for Mixon. And I think even that could put him as the fourth most productive running back in the division, which is absolutely wild to think about. Again, not the worst, just maybe the least productive. I'm sorry. Trying to be unbiased here. I'll have him fourth for 2021. Okay, so now as we look ahead two, three years or so, which running back room would I prefer? I almost don't want to say build the team around because if your NFL team is, if your NFL GM is building the team around a running back, that's probably not a great idea. But which running back room would I prefer to have over the next couple of years? Again, I'm going to look mainly at talent level, not necessarily scheme. That stuff will change as the new regimes enter and exit and whatnot. Um, and again, I'm trying to think of as if I was starting a team and I'm not thinking about it, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in Kevin Stefanski's system. I'm not thinking about J.K. Dobbins in Greg Roman's system in Baltimore. I'm thinking about them as talents themselves. Which running backs would I prefer? And again, when all else is equal, if the talent's pretty equal, I'm going to probably be looking at age as a major determining factor for me. So which running back would I want to build around? For number one, I actually put J.K. Dobbins. Now, I am an Ohio State fan, so maybe you could say I'm biased, but I look at it as I watched lots of J.K. Dobbins in college. I was very impressed with him coming out, and then he's shown in his rookie season that he can be productive. In the second season here of his career, it looks like they're ready to hand the reins to him immediately as they let Mark Ingram walk away. He's the youngest of the bunch here in the AFC North, so that's kind of what presents the tiebreaker for him between he and Najee Harris, who was actually in consideration here for me. Um, Najee, I have at number two, and I think he offers more in the passing game right now than Nick Chubb. I think that although Joe Mixon is capable, when you look at Najee Harris's college tape and the way he's being used already in training camp and we'll see whether that transfers over to the game so we're projecting a little bit i think Najee harris is going to be used all over the field and again i go back to Le'Veon bell this is the same you know mike tomlin's still there they're going to they they saw the success that Le'Veon bell was able to have they're going to want to try to duplicate that with Najee, um and i think he is going to show that he can do that this year while Nick Chubb can catch the ball, I don't think that that's necessarily his strength. He's a pure runner, first and foremost. Now, I think that, you know, based on just pure running, Nick Chubb maybe could have an argument for uh, number one or number two. But I'm trying to think of overall, um, all-around game. Najee's close enough to Nick Chubb as a runner that his receiving prowess is going to make up for any deficit there. And then I really struggled with number three and four, Nick Chubb or Joe Mixon. I originally had Nick Chubb at three because it was hard for me to imagine having such a powerful, dominant runner of a running back last in the division. But then I went to training camp and maybe it's just recency bias, but I'm bumping Mixon up to third here. Mixon, I think, is more athletic than Nick Chubb. 
Uh, Nick Chubb, again, I'm not going to say he has an injury concern necessarily because he's quite a few years removed from the knee injury, but he he has had some injuries before. I know Mixon is coming off of a foot injury, and you could point to that. But I also kind of think that Joe Mixon was held out a little bit longer last year because the season was kind of lost after Burrow went down. And before that, Mixon hadn't really missed any time. So, you know, I'm not really saying that's a huge consideration for me, but it's something to think about. And I just think Mixon's more athletic and the better all-around running back than Nick Chubb. He's technically six months younger than Nick Chubb. Um, So I will put Mixon at three, Chubb at four, which feels bizarre to have Nick Chubb as the fourth running back in this division that I would want to build around for the next two to three years. But really with Mixon and Chubb, I have similar concerns around their age and playing fantasy football, especially in dynasty leagues, which I do a lot of people kind of become ageists where you reach a certain age and you don't want that player anymore. But when you look at some of the statistics that are out there, it it does go to show that running backs don't age gracefully usually. So I just did a quick check over the last five seasons, 13 times has a running back age 26 or older rushed for a thousand yards. I would say a thousand yards isn't necessarily an outstanding season, but we would say that's a pretty good season for a running back to rush for a thousand yards. LaShawn McCoy and Mark Ingram were two running backs that each did it twice in that span um, for whatever that's worth. So heading into 2022, both Chubb and Mixon will be 26 years old. I don't really feel super confident that they're both going to remain to be extremely productive running backs two to three years from now. What about in 2023 when they're 27 years old? Uh, Do I want to be building my team around a 27-year-old running back? Not really. So that's what has them a little bit lower. That's what kind of helps propel Dobbins and Najee ahead of them. You can call me an ageist and that's okay, but I feel pretty confident in these rankings. So to recap, for 2021, most productive running backs in the division, I have Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and then Cincinnati. And then for 2022 and beyond, I'll have Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. And man, going through these lists, running back might be the strongest position group across the entire division. It was kind of hard to put this list together, but uh, it was fun to actually list these guys out and try to figure out what order I would put them in. Again, I, th- I think Bengals fans might be upset with the low ranking for Joe Mixon, but feel free to tell me why I'm wrong. Find me out on Twitter at underscore Taylor Cornell. We will continue the series, hopefully complete it pretty soon. We'll have other stuff to talk about as preseason kicks off in a couple of weeks. Let's see, we have Titans and wide receivers left, linebackers and defensive backs. We'll get into those positions as we have the others before. If you've missed any of the previous episodes, go check those out. Lots of great content within there. Thanks for listening, and as always, hootay!